Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more life. Tracy is the perfect lead-in for today. She's talking about her struggles and what she dealt with when she wasn't seeing God's divine perspective. Because when God sees each and every one of us, He loves us. So when we're in a place where we don't feel loved, when we don't love ourselves, when we feel hopeless, that's not a place of God, and that is not where He desires us to be. And so we need to get in touch with His divine perspective so that we can see things, see ourselves, see the world, see His kingdom as He intended us to see. So we're going to start today in Scripture in Mark chapter 6, verses 30, as the children leave. Just pretend that was exactly where I intended to say that. So verse 30 begins, this is the feeding of the 5,000. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, what would take, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he said. Go and see. When they found out, they said five loaves and two fishes. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up into heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten that day was 5,000. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So it's important to note that just before this in chapter 6, it's right when Jesus has sent the disciples out. He sent them out two by two to go out teaching. They were told to um, teach the people that they should repent, drive out demons, anoint the sick, and heal them, and to tell them about the kingdom of God. So the, Jesus, the disciples have just gone and done this. He also was very specific in his instructions that they take nothing else with them. In different parts of scripture, it says that Jesus said you can take some sandals, but no extra shirt even. He was very specific about that. So this is what the disciples are returning from. This is what they're tired from. They've been sent out two by two with 
no preparation, no nothing. They have to rely completely on God's provision and the power of Jesus to go with them to do these things that Jesus has asked them to do. And so they're seeking rest. They're tired. They've probably been through a lot. They've got a lot of things that they probably need to process and think about and talk over with Jesus so they can truly start to understand what this was that they just went through. So Jesus realizes they need to rest. He invites them to rest, but then this crowd appears. And Jesus immediately recognizes their needs. He has compassion on them because they were lost. He knew that they needed to hear from him. And when Jesus is teaching, he's revealing more and more about himself and who he is and who God is and about his kingdom. And so the disciples approach Jesus with the idea that we need to send these people away. It's time to eat. We don't have anything for them to eat. And I, I've thought about this a lot. I think there's two reasons possibly that I can come up with. And I think the disciples probably fall somewhere on the spectrum of these, these two, two areas. We've already said they were tired. They'd been someplace. I'm sure there was a certain part of them was like, Jesus, send them home. We are tired and hungry. This has been a long day. It's been a long couple of weeks. Let's get to this rest you talked about. And then there's the part of them that truly looked out in compassion and said, we don't have anything to feed these people. There's a lot of people here and there's nothing close by. They were trying to look out for the people. They were trying to make sure that their needs were met and that they were taken care of. But Jesus' immediate response, you do it. And immediately, they started coming up with excuses. It's too expensive. Can't do it. That's going to cost way too much. We don't have enough. It sounds like they're being good stewards. It sounds like they're trying to be careful with how the money is spent and how things are taken care of and that that people are provided for. But keep in mind, they've just spent their time Casting out demons, healing the sick, and proclaiming the kingdom of God. And now they've got some hungry people here, and all they can come up with is, well, we need to send them into town so they can get something to eat. But Jesus sends them out, and he says, go see what they have. And they come back with five loaves and two fishes. The way I kind of picture it in my head, if I was standing there looking at five loaves and two fishes... And 5,000 men, which means probably closer to 12 to 15,000 people there at that time, thinking this is some scraps and it's not going far. (laughs) It was remnants. It was the leftovers, bits and pieces that they collected from people. But Jesus has a different perspective. And he's trying desperately to get the disciples to see that new perspective. And he's challenging the disciples to start thinking in terms of heaven's terms versus human terms. And he's challenging them to think like he does. And he's trying to teach them to expect way more from God than you could ever imagine or what your minds could ever hold possible. It's like they forgot what they had been doing. They had been performing miracles in the name of Jesus. They had the supernatural power given to them, but they forgot about it quickly. And Jesus is challenging how they pray, how they think. Because in order to pray differently, we have to think differently. And we need that divine perspective. I think this is something that we all struggle with. I struggle with it in a lot of different ways. 
And I'm going to share some of those with you, and you can see where you find yourself in there as well. Um, my daily distractions just get in the way of my divine perspective sometimes. I've got a to-do list. I've got things to do. I've got kids to get to practices. There's homework. There's groceries to be bought. There's people to be fed in my house. There's animals to be walked. There's a lot of things that go into the, a day. And sometimes that daily life and those practicalities just get in the way. I don't make time to seek a divine perspective and to listen for God's divine perspective. Sometimes it's just my own personal agenda that gets in the way. I have my own vision of what being a good parent or a good spouse or a good coworker looks like, and I forget that God's way is always different and that he's calling me to something entirely different that his way looks way different than what society tells us and culture tells us our life is supposed to look like. Sometimes it's an attempt to control the outcome. I can be a little bit too sure that God's agenda is my agenda and forget to check back in. And sometimes I make excuses too. I'm a very practical to-do list kind of person. And sometimes I don't think big enough but I think we all struggle with different ways, different things that get in the way of our divine perspective. And we have to learn to surrender our prejudices, our misconceptions, our defenses, our personal preferences, and our own plans. We have to leave our human perspective behind and seek that divine perspective. And the key word here is surrender. We have to surrender everything that stands between us and that divine perspective. Prayer does not work if there are strings attached, if we are still attempting to pull those strings. It's like I've told my kids, when you make an apology, you can't have a butt in it. It can't be, I'm sorry I called you a jerk face, but because you have just negated everything that you said before that. And it's the same way with our prayer. God, I love you and I trust you and I know that you provide for me and I know that you have a special plan for my life and I know that your grace and your abundance are overflowing, but. We put buts in there all the time. Those are our excuses, those are the things that we think we have control over and that we are able to do. When the disciples were sent out, they took nothing with them. Jesus was trying to convey the need to surrender and their dependency on God. And this is what would drive me absolutely crazy if I was one of the disciples at this time. They did not have a schedule. They did not have a list of destinations as far as we can tell from scripture. They were simply sent out to go, obey, so listen, obey, and go. Listen, obey, go. That was it. There were no more excuses. And so we have to surrender our excuses to, so that we can receive that divine perspective. Notice I didn't say so we can get a divine perspective. We don't get that. We receive it because it's a gift from God. So we have to surrender our excuses like, oh, I'll do that when I retire. I'll have way more time then. When my kids are grown, 
when I have enough money in the bank. Oh, I, I'm so busy with all these things because this is what society tells me I need to do and my children need to do in order to be successful. We have to learn to think like God thinks and know that we will never be able to fully grasp or imagine how God will work in a situation. That's what the disciples, I think, were learning in this situation. They, were, they forgot the power that Jesus has, the power that they had in, in Jesus, and they forgot that they could do something that previously they couldn't even imagine doing. And like I said, we, we received that perspective from, from God because prayer is initiated by God. It's a conversation that is started by him. It's an invitation into his presence. We're invited into the presence of the creator of the universe, of the Alpha and Omega, the creator that knit us together in our mother's womb. Because everything starts with God. Love, within the Trinity, there was love first. There was relationship within the Trinity. There's grace. And that's where the kingdom is found. That's where we find God's will. That's where we find God's perspective. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to read that one, parts of it one more time. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory throughout all the generations. Not just now, not just for us, not just in scripture, not just what happened with the disciples, but it is an ongoing story. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. Maybe the disciples had just never seen a miracle with food. They'd seen Jesus cast out demons. They'd seen him heal people. Maybe they hadn't really thought about the possibility of him being able to to make this food multiply. They didn't, weren't able to see that immeasurable thing that they couldn't even imagine at the time. But they had to learn to let go of themselves in order to receive that power. And they hadn't completely let go of themselves. Jesus was still shaping them and teaching them and sanctifying them and helping them to understand what that meant. When we let go of ourself is when we're able to see more of God's divine perspective. So there's three questions I want us to, to think about today. They're gonna be up on the screen. The first one is, how do you really feel about the power of God? 
Are you looking for a miracle? Are you looking for di- from a divine perspective? Do you really believe that his perspective is that dramatically different? What are you expecting to see? What lens are you looking and viewing life through? Where in your life is your ministry or your work more about natural effort and good intentions and your to-do list and less about the power of God? Even in ministry, we can get caught up in the task and the things that need to be done. That's what the disciples were doing. There was a task, there was something to be done. People needed to be fed. But they forgot that people could be fed to the glory of God and for the transformation of the kingdom. They forgot that. It's why one of the reasons we stress as a church that we start with prayer instead of making plans and asking God to bless those. And that's what we're trying to achieve when we're trying to to achieve that uh, divine perspective. How often do you pray for more? His understanding of the kingdom, God's understanding of the kingdom is greater than ours can ever be while we are here on this earth. How often do you just ask God for more of that perspective? And then the way that we can respond to that is we have to let go of ourself. We have to seek less and less of ourselves and hear less and less of ourselves and less and less of the voices that speak into our heads with those doubts and excuses, with those messages that are completely contrary to what God is telling us. Our call is to receive the power and authority offered by Christ and then go forth, drive out darkness and expose the kingdom of God. Now that's a pretty tall order to maybe have done by 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. But that's, that's what we're called to do. I'm gonna say that one more time. We are called to go out to drive out darkness and expose the power of the kingdom of God. And so we've gotta ask God to show us how do we get ready to do that? This isn't, shouldn't be the only prayer that you pray. Obviously, there's many types of prayer and many ways that we go into God's presence and we hear him and we respond to him and we talk to him and we have relationship with him. But this is one of the prayers that we need to be praying. Ask God to show you how to get ready to receive his power and authority. And ask God how to help you let go of yourself and start seeing the world from God's perspective. Notice when Jesus saw the people, he immediately knew what he needed to do. He needed to teach them. He knew they were lost and he knew he needed to teach them and reach out to them. That's the divine perspective. He was able to see their true needs. So it means we need to have, to spend more time in God's presence spend more time in God's word. Sometimes our survival instincts prompt us to just protect ourselves. And that's when we start coming up with excuses. And so as we let go of ourselves, we're able to let go of those excuses and those doubts. And we have to ask God to show us how to get ready for that 
power and authority so that we can have his perspective. We have to let go of those doubts and worries that God might ask us to do something we are not prepared to do, that we don't understand or we can't even think of and we can't even fathom or imagine. Helen Sue Hagee probably had no idea when they first started their ministry in Africa that it would result in a radio tower being built that would reach millions of people with the word of God. God didn't start them there. <laughs> he started them someplace else. And then he spoke into it and he gave them the ability to have a divine perspective and to see things from his perspective and probably do things they never imagined possible and reach people that they never imagined would be reachable. Maybe God's something, asking you to do something huge in the life of an individual. Maybe that's mentoring or fostering a child. It's not changing the entire world, but it's changing the world for that child. It's revealing the kingdom to that child. Maybe God is just asking you to do something huge in your own life and have a new divine perspective about your own life. Maybe it's admitting that you're powerless over your addiction. Maybe it's admitting and understanding that God does not intend for us to live in anxiety and depression, but that he has something greater in store for us. And those voices and those words and those thoughts are not his. That he has something far greater in store for us. God does huge things that sometimes we cannot even imagine him doing or delivering us from. But Jesus didn't die so that you could be a better person, so that you could do some community service with the church. Jesus came so that dead people could live. Jesus came so that dead people could be alive in him and have new life in him. That's his plan for your life and for everyone else's. That we are able to be in his presence to experience his love and his grace. That we're able to know him. We're able to gain his perspective. And what you believe matters Jesus defeated the powers of sin and death so that we have nothing left to fear. And it's that lack of fear that makes surrender possible. So how might God be drawing you into a new perspective? How can you be praying for eyes to see what God is already doing and what God wants to do? Are you open to the wonders of God? Are you open to that divine perspective? Not just for your own life, but for the kingdom. Because God's divine perspective is way bigger than we can ever imagine. It doesn't just address our own sin, it addresses all the sin and brokenness in the world. Because Jesus took care of all of that on the cross and when he rose from the dead. It's all taken care of. His perspective is there for us. We just have to step into it. As we continue with communion this morning, and as we go through the liturgy this morning, 
I want you to listen. I'm going to read and stop kind of in the middle because there's a lot of words about a divine perspective in communion. So as we're taking communion, receiving communion together this morning, I want you to be thinking about how that relates and how God is offering us his divine perspective through communion. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus had just taken the remnants of some bread and he restored it and created it into something totally new that offered life, new life and sustained life. That's what we're remembering this morning. When the supper was over, he took the cup gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many. Remember what I said, that divine perspective is for ourselves and it's for everyone. For the forgiveness of sins, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Once we have experienced that new life in him, we take it out to the world. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Jesus took remnants and created abundance. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Now let us go to God and pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.